Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it, including dog noises. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my wife is waiting for silence. That mm-hmm. will never happen. No, no silence to be had. No. So we have questions. Or somebody has questions and we might have answers. We have questions that have been asked to us. Yes. The first one is... I'm still loving the podcast. I had a question for Jess about the voice I'm hearing in the podcast. So I went back to listen to episode one. I'm sorry. (laughs) And obviously, (laughs) George's voice has changed. But it sounds like Jess's has as well. To me, it sounds like Jess's voice is higher now than it was before, which is interesting to me because my wife has mentioned that her voice is changing unconsciously in response to mine. As mine goes up, my wife finds herself pitching her voice down to balance it out, and I was wondering if you've noticed anything similar in y'all's life. That's a good question because the unconscious reactions are, as we talked about in other recordings of people's unconscious reactions to secondary sex characteristics. Mm-hmm. And in this case, what your partner is doing. Right. Well, they're unconscious, so we, we don't know why they're happening. They're just right. happening in response to. Mm-hmm. So is this in a response to? It seems likely. Well... Did you go back and listen to it? I did. Okay. I did, and that's what I was about to say, yeah. I, I went back and I listened to those old episodes. And you originally, I remember the day that we very first ever sat down and we did this and you said to me, what on earth are you doing with your voice? And I said, I, I'm I'm kind of speaking a little higher so that I'm not like talking in my normal range, which is significantly lower than yours. Well, that, that's then, your slightly lower range of yeah. I'm about to order a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But my voice is was at the time you first started transition, my fundamental pitch for speaking was lower than yours. And now it is higher. But if I go back and I listen to those original episodes, the foundational pitch for my speaking in that intro was about a just below middle C, about a B3. Yeah, I thought that I thought I saw you go to the piano the other day and listen to something and then plunk, 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 yeah. listen and plunk, plunk, plunk. And yes. And of our more recent episodes, it's closer to my normal speaking range, which has a foundational pitch in the neighborhood of E to F to G3, which is lower. And yeah, but this is saying it's higher. They said they think it's higher. I think it's just a comparison thing. It's sort of like those optical illusions when you see two things next to each other, they look more different than they are. And it does seem higher in comparison to yours because your voice is definitely lower. But I did that a lot when you were first transitioning. I would increase my femininity to complement your newly uh, presenting increased masculinity. And so in some of our earlier podcasts, yes, my voice actually was higher. I see what you're saying. Like when the the moon is closer to the horizon and you have more things in front of you that give that depth perception it looks bigger and then without those things right in front of you to give the depth perception it does look far away as it is and so you mean in comparison your voice technically if you go to the piano Mm -hmm. was a c and is now an e Mm -hmm. and now because my voice is i don't know because i don't know if you punked at the piano at that 
and it probably depends on what time of day we're recording as well. Mm-hmm. It seems my voice is a little deeper in the morning, and I think it's I'm not as awake, and so the tension in my body lets it all go to my chest. Okay. I mean, the less tension. Right. And then later in the day, more tension seems to make my voice go back up in my head where it lived for many, many years. So That makes sense. But in comparison, the C and the E... The middle C and the low E, yeah. The middle C compared to whatever my voice was then, which uh-huh. you did... Yeah, the- your voice at that time did have a natural speaking pitch of about a middle C. And that's why I pitched mine up when we first started, because I... You pitched yours to a middle C. I pitched mine. Well, I wasn't naturally thinking of going to match yours. I was just thinking, I don't want my husband to have the higher voice that doesn't quite come out right. But then it ended up actually in some of our first episodes where our voices are kind of difficult to distinguish from one another because they are at pretty much the same pitch. Right. And you're a sound person. So you were listening to all that and I wasn't. No. No. (laughs) I wasn't. But I might notice it in comparison Right. Especially at this point. If I hear my voice before transition now, it seems very strange. Yeah. So there's the technicalities. In comparison to the matching middle C's, you're at a... I'm naturally speaking around a low E, F, or G, and you naturally speak around a low E to F. But the timbre of your voice has changed. The tone color, the shape of the sound is... How would you compare those of yours and mine at the beginning episode and then now? They were fairly similar at the beginning. The the timbre was? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and now what's the difference? Now there's a, a more significant difference. You have a much more clearly male voice. You're the, um, it has a more jagged sound wave to speak this, in technical terms. Yes, I'm trying to get you to speak in technical terms. Okay. Maybe I should explain that to you because yes. <laughs> this is morning and you're even yes. less awake so, than I am and I'm if, not terribly awake. Yes. Um, a demonstration I do for my students all the time is that everyone has a different shape of their voice, but we can all still make the same notes. If I sing hello or hello or hello or hello, they're all the same notes with different shapes. And so even though you and I now still have a similar speaking range, your tone is significantly more broad and more forward and more focused and has a number of shades to it that darken the tone even without deepening the pitch that clearly lend it to being a more masculine sound. Whereas I'm just back to normal, where I had been trying to be a little bit lighter and a little bit softer and a little bit higher. (laughs) And using all the tricks that I teach my voice students in my private voice lessons for my trans girls who are learning how to talk like girls. Well, if somebody needed more technical information than that, we record in an afternoon and give something more technical. Yes. But that's that's fairly technical, you know. Yes. Overall. Mm -hmm. And explains things that otherwise I wouldn't think of trying to understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is interesting. It's a good question. Yes. So the next feedback we've got doesn't actually have a question mark in it, but it is clear feedback about um, curiosities and input topics for the show. I don't know if you've done this before, but I would love a spouse and significant others episode. I try to know what my wife is going through, and I'm pretty good at it and always getting better, but she's dealing with new thoughts and emotions, so we frequently run into times where neither of us can articulate what she's feeling, and that miscommunication can or has led to horrible results. 
So hearing the reactions of people to their partner has always been a favorite part of mine to your show. And I'd love to hear more than one view. I think we're, they're talking about neither of us can articulate and miscommunication can lead to horrible results. It can, even when you're really trying. So, mm -hmm. um, but if you're trying, then those results can be somewhat repaired because you're trying. Yes. And you both mean to be trying, and that can help a lot. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that because you're sort of blind to the gender necessities that people accept in the world, you are rather blind to that. I think that, that our communication often does go around other couples' issues that couples have. And my understanding of those things has definitely changed giving me an imagination of what it's like for men who have no clue, have never had a clue, what women's hormones are doing to their thought patterns, how they're affecting their feelings by those thoughts, mm -hmm. um, which I've had that exposure to those hormones and had a better understanding. And over some time, I don't understand things the same way on testosterone. So that, that could lead to some miscommunications. But our miscommunications tend to more be around our past experiences in life because we had a bunch of life before this mm -hmm. life that we're recording. Yes. That affected the way we interact with the world and each other and the way we perceive that and what expectations we have of that, whether or not they are correct, which quite fortunately, sometimes they are not. And so we have gotten ourselves into a state of worry or discomfort over something that's not going to be happening. Yes, we both have long histories of dealing with our own selves and our own situations, which, you know, both of us came from difficult childhoods and have worked our way up towards being functional. And so we have a lot of previous experiences that tend to lend themselves to PTSD type. The subconscious reaction, I would say, was PTSD. And now we're getting into technicalities from my... <laughs> Your field of expertise. Yeah, but. my field. But but the, the awareness is what brings you outside of it. And our awareness and our willingness to be aware and change what's happening. Yes. Of, oh, wait, I don't have to be in angst over this. Um, I can this ask is, my husband, is he angry at me? Yes. He can ask me if I'm upset over something he did. And then we can discuss how the other one got to that perception so that we can understand what's happening. Right. And move outside of that problem. And if we didn't have the good communication skills that we have to solve our problems which are, like you said, completely not related to your transition. When I first saw this question, I felt like I'm not the person to answer this. I'm not the person to lead that discussion because gender is like not a thing in my brain. It, it's, you know, that, that patch was never installed. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and so I have no sense of change in our relationship with regards to your transition, except when, for example, I'm going back and editing the audio of our podcast and I'm like, hey, that sounded like he was mansplaining or hey, that sounded like because I know you well enough and can deal in person well enough and I can 
see what you're thinking, what you're saying, and it's not a problem. Occasionally, I'll go back and say, hey, that's a gendered change. But it's not a thing for me. You could write write some notes about things if you notice a gender change, and we could talk about that. We could. We could. I should start making those notes when I go back and edit. But the the issues that we have with communication are going to be, you know, every couple has issues with communication. And if you are not interacting well, if you are not able to overcome those issues between the two of yourselves with any ease or relative... Um, stability, then it might be time to consider like couples therapy or something like that. A lot of couples do end up going to therapy when one of them transitions because it helps them have that communication. It gives them that vocabulary. It sounds to me like what these folks are saying is they do communicate fairly well. And so it's interesting to them because they do notice the differences and they notice when things are going poorly and things are going well. And so it's more of a hey, I want to hear more things like what I go through, which does happen when people are in transition. Right. And would that be helpful? And I I can think of a couple instances of where communication has changed and I don't know what to do. And so I feel I'm doing something completely different than I ever used to do, which in my mind is a man's way of approaching his wife when she's very emotional and he's like, holy shit, what's going on here? (laughs) I'm going to be quiet and see if that helps. Or I'm going to like lay really low and see if I can just, you know, wait out the storm. Uh Because it seems like a storm, not like a, she's trying to communicate with me. Right. Type of thing. And that usually has to do around when you're PMS and your estrogen is taking you away from reality. (laughs) And and you're you're quite unhappy about it. So you don't want me to acknowledge that you are... In that situation, Most any more women than generally don't. No, they yeah. don't. But but you're like man mad about it too. So <laughs> you know, true. you're like, I will not have this happening. It is not happening. <laughs> don't you talk to me about it. <laughs> Whereas a lot of women are like, I'm, I'm PMS, and you're not going to understand me. Because they already have this understanding in the world, or they've taught themselves this understanding. And this goes back to you and I having taught ourselves other things when we were younger mm-hmm. and, and learning our way out of those. So we also do that now when we come against a communication problem. But but what I see with a lot of women is they have learned this understanding in the world that he's not going to understand on PMS. And she's right. He, he's probably not. But what could they be teaching each other? And I imagine a lot of cisgendered couples have taught each other some of these things, I would hope. But stereotypically, we have not seen that happen in our culture. We've seen this acceptance of he's not going to understand. And so then she gets even more crazy and he gets even more distant. And that's that's one of the estrogen things I've seen happen is if you get more emotional out of the estrogen overload problem. You used to just sort of keep trucking along and now you like withdraw. And the problem is it's like an automatic reaction of I accidentally stuck my finger in a fire and I'm pulling my finger out. Mm-hmm. Like, ouch, that's hot. And, and, but, and so but it's sort of like how you pull your finger back before you even get the sensations to your brain of it being hot. Yes. And, and as I've quickly withdrawn, it's sort of like the estrogen zones in on that. And, oh, shit. And what did at, I do that made him pull away from and so me? And it, it runs over yeah. there to grab you again. <laughs> you know, like 
When there's a fire on the other side of the door, don't open the door. Because mm-hmm. the fire will come right in. And, and so it's like some kind of yeah. magnetic problem. And so I've found myself where I've jumped back like, uh-oh, this is wrong. Let me try to uh, assess the situation and think logically of what to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, we'd kind of go with, oh, that's bad. Okay, well, you know. <laughs> and and that does cause this other subconscious chemical reaction from the other side. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then there was the whole, like like you said, when you've listened to podcast. And you've said, oh, well, now it sounds like George is mansplaining, but I know George is not a mansplainer, but maybe I was a mansplainer before and nobody noticed because my voice was wrong. Who knows? (laughs) It's quite possible. I hadn't thought about that. I'm an oldest child who was in charge of everything, so I did a lot of splaining. (laughs) And I never cared if it was wrong. No. And you and I have this understanding of of this. So are you explaining that or are you just telling me something? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Because we have a joke about that, because that's we how do, because that's how that's life how works for us. Yes, that's what a lot of oldest children do, especially when they're put in charge of smaller people. Yes. You know, they just, I'm going to tell you whatever I'll tell you to get you to do what I need you to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think that there's a, a somewhat of a propensity for kids to do that anyway. When I look at the stage our number two child is stuck in, he wants to explain everything. And that stage that he's in has to do with what he can understand and wanting to put it into a category of his understanding. Mm -hmm. We were trying to put it in a category of that person's understanding so that them would cooperate with us. Yes. Because we needed their cooperation. Yep. And politicians do it all the time, too. So there. Um, (laughs) But when you've listened to the podcast as you're editing and said, oh, that that sounds wrong. And... um, Mm -hmm. One of, the one that seemed to affect you the most was the one about male privilege. Yeah, and that I was wasn't, a whole other story, though. Yeah, that was a whole... Yeah. But that was some kind of reaction you were having, whether it was hormones and something else, or I don't mm-hmm. know, but we probably... We could go over that whole thing yeah, at some point. But, that, that yeah, that would be another episode, but, but yes. But that was mm-hmm. one where I had no idea of what to do about communication, and I was quite lost. Mm-hmm. Often I find that what could help if I remember, is to say, hey, this isn't going so well, and I'd like it to go better, but I don't know what to do. So, yeah. you know, just putting out that caring, yes. the caring can help. And in the mm-hmm. almost six years that you and I have been together, we've had a handful of those conversations where we're like, I noticed that this interaction is not going so well, but I'm not quite sure how to fix it. So can we just... Shelve it. Or... Can we talk about what's happening or can we, you know, would it be better to discuss it? Would it be better to come back to it? Would it be better for us to go and find some private space for a while? And we do talk about these things. Right. So. I was also just thinking that one of the people I know who never mansplains, and I'm sure there's some others that I know who regularly do not mansplain. Most of them are in a similar field to mine. Our our Jesus friend? Yes. He never mansplains, but he has a very feminine approach to communication. He does. So, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting, it's a curiosity to me. Mm -hmm. How does that help his empathy or something is Mm -hmm. different or his way of connecting is different. Right. And he he doesn't ever mansplain ever since I've known him. I think that's why you guys are friends because he wasn't a typical asshat man when you were working for him. No, no, he wasn't. He's a very caring person. So would you like to read the next question or should I? Sure. Would love to have a podcast on how to respond to people 
when you introduce your family member who has made a life-altering decision. It would be great to have something to use as a guide. This is something I want to share with my family members who are going through these changes, and I am frequently at a loss of what to say and how to say it and what questions to ask. It's, it's a difficult question for me to understand because there's a several perspectives this could be. Is it, hey, my family members know about this transition and they are curious people but and trying to process their, their own reactions to it and they recognize that my partner has changed and unlike our old neighbors can't just say, oh, okay, that's happening and move right, on. Right, right. So and is it like that or is it like you said, well, you don't introduce your partner unless your partner says so. Right. Ask your partner. See, and that's the thing. I I find it ever so slightly condescending to assume that your loved one who is transitioning needs you to answer those questions on their behalf unless they have specifically asked you to do so. Well, if you're, let's say your other, your significant other is a quiet person who doesn't talk much and you have family members asking you things or you can see family members' reactions it would be a good idea to ask your partner. If you don't want to be verbal about this... What would you like me to what say? What would you like me to say in response to their mm-hmm. questions or reactions and or something? I'm not sure if this is in relationship to a partner or to a child or a parent or a cousin or, you know, either way, the indication of how much to say and in what words to use when you say it are going to be best indicated by the transitioning person themselves, because I I can't imagine that there's any one right way, just like there's no one right way to be trans. There's no one right way of understanding one's transition. And there are some commonalities, but each individual's experience is an individual experience. And so, you know, how much they want to be out about anything that's happening, how much they want to share and in what ways to share that is really going to be a highly personalized thing that you want to discuss with the trans person. And I think some, since you're looking for a guide, some conversation starters might be the sentence stems. So a lot of people have asked me about, and I was wondering what you'd like me to say. Right, because it says family member, so that yeah. gives me an idea that maybe it's like my, my mother would be introducing me to someone. Your mother who told you to take off your shirt and show everybody your chest. My muscles. Your yeah, muscles. Yeah. Show, show us your muscles. Show, show my friend your muscles. I'm shaking my head. My mom's friend is shaking their head like, oh, no. it's your mother. <laughs> uh, you know, she, she didn't ask you first if that was an appropriate level of sharing. She doesn't. No. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> But that's the thing. I think, you know, the best thing to do is to have that conversation with your transgender loved one and let them take the lead and give them the right to okay or to veto any level of sharing, any types of details, any vocabulary with which to discuss those details. I have found that a lot of times people, and I'm thinking in case of my mother, are processing their own stuff. And so they will talk about it anyway. And I did mention that also to my boss when when I came out to my boss and I said, you know, typically people will talk to somebody about this because they're processing it. And that's part of their processing. Even if you're like, please don't out me. 
they are not in control of their processing, and so they they, they, they don't mean to, to think, out you. And they think out loud with yes. someone they trust or someone they feel comfortable thinking out loud to. Or anybody in general, the next person who comes along. Sometimes they do that too. <laughs> that happens. Um, so it's it's part of their processing. And so the questions also could be to yourself, how much of this is my processing of this and how much of it is the person I'm introducing to? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times it's your own processing, mm-hmm. not the person that you're dealing with. Yeah. Unless they ask you, hey, hey, wait a second, I thought that was your, your daughter or your son, and now you're saying they're your son or your daughter, and what's going on here? And in those cases, I think uh, an ex- just a simple, they've transitioned, is enough. Yeah, or sometimes things change. Yes. <laughs> so or, those we are... thought that was too, but now we realize we're wrong. Yes, that's a very good answer. So those are some good good things to say or, or ask, but it's, it could be really good to ask the person whose transition it is. And if they don't know, I'm thinking there's there's various good and bad ways that would be Googled yes. as example. And I think, again, just letting the, the, the trans person take the lead and follow Wheaton's law. Explain. Don't be a dick. There you go. So two more. I'm trying to find the best insurance I can, and Obamacare is so super expensive. I'm sorry, your state fucked that up. That was a state-by-state thing. Yes, and some states have fucked it up worse than others. Yes, they have. Ours did a fairly thorough job. There's a whole lot of details in this question that I'm not going to read aloud for the sake of anonymity of our questioner, but they're basically asking about insurance. There is a new website from the Affordable Care Act Committee that I will post a link to. There are some links available about how to get the best transgender-related coverage in your area from which Affordable Care Act providers. Like a link to the HRC stuff or something like that? There's one from the HRC, and there was one that was just posted that I thought was a healthcare.gov site, but I will have to actually dig those out and put the link in the show notes and there will probably be two or three links. I'm not sure how helpful people have found links like that or not. I think some have and some haven't, depending on how difficult it is in your particular state. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think could be helpful is to find, and I'm only imagining that, you know, that this could be helpful, is to find a support group in your area, if there is such a thing, if you're, near, if you're in a big enough you might have to drive an hour to get there. Metropolis of yeah. some sort or near one that would have a transgender support group where people are discussing these things and have started to gather intel on how to get those things managed within different insurance companies. Yes. I think it has become somewhat more complicated with Obamacare because there are these areas of Obamacare that say you may not discriminate, and then there's all the ways that people try to get around that. Yes. And again, because the trick to get universal health care instated was to make it an individual choice with an individual mandate and then let it be implemented on a state-by-state basis because the Republicans are all about personal freedom. You can't make us get health care. You can't make us do things that are good for us, which, okay, we won't, but, but there's some don't people F it up for other people who anyway. need it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Anyway, 
the state-by-state state thing is really tricky, and the individual mandates and the individual coverage options are also, you know, not exactly ideal based on whether or not your individual state did the expansion of Medicaid that was strongly recommended, but still left optional for the states to cover more low-income people so that the insurance would not be stupidly expensive for the working poor. Right. Like you and I used to be. Yes. I didn't have insurance at those points in my life. I did, but only because I had children by then. Right. I didn't. And and then I could use, uh, once I was in school, student health services, mm-hmm. which was at that point something you didn't have to sign up for, but you just had to be a student at that school. Right. And there were no penalties, tax penalties at that point, but I didn't have any money to pay taxes anyway, so I don't know. <laughs> I didn't have any money to be taxed. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a complicated thing, and I think somebody asking us or anybody else is fair enough, because if if you can keep asking and find an answer, have at it. Okay. This question came in as anonymous ask in our Tumblr, and so I'm thinking that it was probably not someone who was actually listening to our podcast and not someone who was actually, like, talking about the content in our recordings. At the time that we released the male privilege series of episodes, I was on our social media posting a lot of links about why feminism is important and what male privilege is and how the transgender experience of male privilege is unique and can highlight some of these differences in our gendered culture. And we got this ask in our Tumblr inbox. Would you like to read it or should I? It's not really an ask. It's a response. It is, but I thought it was worth addressing just in case it is an actual listener. Go ahead. They said, no thanks. I don't need feminists to address my problems because they've been doing nothing but shitting on my gender as of late. So thanks, but no thanks. And I'm thinking, feminists, you're you're hanging out with the wrong ones. There are shitty people in every group, and especially in activist groups. There are tend to be more shitty people, but that's going to be the case in... I think any group that's trying to make change in the world, they get a little pissy about things, and sometimes they redirect their upset at the wrong things. They do. They do. But, like, you know, there's also the... I hesitate to say not all feminists. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's like you can't let terrorists represent the whole, whether it's Westboro Baptists or suicide bombers or trans-exclusionary rad femmes. You cannot let terrorists define your experience of the whole. So if it's being a problem, then understandably you want to move yourself to a different uh, situation. I would remove myself from those social circles. Okay. So I think that's it for now. Those are our questions. Those are our questions and those are our answers. There we go. As incomplete as they may be. We only have our own experiences to share. Exactly. But hopefully they're helpful. Hopefully. And if not, keep asking. Yay. Now the dogs are quiet. I know. You just don't wait long enough. We have to sit here and we should sit here with the microphone off and talk and see if they think that we're just going to do this anyway. And then they just settle down. Yeah. Okay. That's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher 
and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. And all the life that happens between it. When you sniff like that, yeah. don't start the sentence right away. Take it like another breath because otherwise... I it... thought I did, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Say it again. No, you're okay. fine. All right. <laughs> There's dog noises. Mm-hmm. There are always dog noises. Yes. No. <sighs> Sit down. Not now. Stop. <laughs> uh, yes, we are going to start again. Okay, over here. You may be waiting for more quiet than is possible. I know. Reactions are always happening to things. And then there's a dog. Who's <laughs> becoming extra inconvenient this morning. <laughs> he is. Yeah. You can. You want to get up and we'll move him, or no? Okay, careful, because he doesn't twist that way any further right now. Lay down. <clears throat> or just sit there and be quiet. Fat chance. <laughs> These are his awake moments of the 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just getting the dog lovies, but if it's quiet, then I'll take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> down. I don't think we should touch him anymore. I think he just thinks. Oh, you're going to give me more lovies, mm -hmm. so I will pant at your microphone, <laughs> and then I'll lick myself when you think I've calmed down. <laughs> <clears throat> I think the... <laughs> My breakfast didn't even get to the stove yet, so those results can be... Um... And you told me to turn my head back to the microphone, and I promptly forgot the word. <laughs> Gender necessities. Gender, come on, words come out of my mouth. Gives them that vocabulary. That was the end of my sentence. Oh, okay. The sound in your sentence weren't ending in the way I usually expect uh -huh. for me to think that okay. you were ending a sentence <laughs> because I was reaching for something and your curiosity <laughs> yes. changed your... Yes, it, yeah, sorry. Changed so, your sentence. Yes. So... My your mother, aunt. your your mother, who told ev told you to take off your chest and show everybody. <laughs> take off my chest. Ta or take off your shirt. I'm sorry, <laughs> and show everybody your chest. <laughs> Let me start that sentence again. Well, that's distracting. I go to load our last question that came in from Tumblr, and hey. Yes, that's distracting. There you go. Dee -dee -dee. Are you editing that out, or we're talking about naked people? We're in apparently. in uh, artistic poses. Yes, there, there's a naked person on my screen when I went to load our next question. What, okay. what, what was that screen from? A Effia Trans or one of those places? <laughs> no. Okay. No, it was actually just an artistic shot of somebody with a very nice rear end on a motorcycle. Oh, there's a motorcycle there. I didn't notice that part. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your turn.